I'm Lorna um, and welcome to the very very first episode of the My Empowered Life podcast. I want to use this very 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 first very very scary episode to, t- to give you a bit of background information so it, it sounds a bit of a like a life story but it's all really relevant I promise um, and it'll just give you the background of why um, I'm doing what I'm doing and what's made me want to help everybody else learn from um, some of the stuff that I've been through and found um, has benefited me. I want it to. I want it to help everybody. So let's hope you enjoy it. The, this, as I said, is a bit of a background. It might. Um, it, the aim of it is not to sound like a pity party or anything like that, because it kind of is a happy ending. It just gives you a real um, sense of kind of the crap that I've been through, as as well as other people have, I'm sure, and how things can get better so thank you for listening hope you enjoy bye so I suppose I'll start at the beginning it's a bit of a long-winded story so I'm going to condense it down into a manageable few minutes for you to listen to otherwise you might get bored to tears um but I it I think it's difficult to pinpoint the exact starting point but I know the definite turning point for me was like a catastrophic turning point in my life 18 and a half years ago when the legend and hero that is my dad was killed in a road accident aged 42 I was 20 nearly 21 and really at that point that very sort of evening my life was just ripped to absolute shreds the most and like the single most important person in my life had just been taken away and it was just the most horrific thing and nobody had nobody well nobody can prepare you for the grief like that comes with losing somebody so close to you I know a lot of you have been through that and will kind of understand where I'm coming from a little bit um when I say that because you just I don't think you can know how bad that is going to feel until you've been in that situation and I, and I can't articulate how bad I felt and still do to be perfectly honest um, I guess if you've been in that situation you'll know the kind of comments that that um, that will have come my way at the time so things like oh it's early days yeah time's a great healer or try to push it to the back of your mind and all that sort of thing well I'll tell you what now I can tell you something for nothing if you want to know um time is not a great healer I don't care what anyone says time is not a great healer that sort of shit does not go away Um, in 18 and a half years it has not gone away and if it hasn't gone away by now I don't expect it ever will and there's a little part of me that doesn't want it to either Um, not I'm not saying I don't want to be happy that's that's not what I meant at all and that that's that's not true I, I really want to be happy but I also don't want to ever not feel that grief because I feel that it would kind of undermine my feelings for my dad that 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 sounds a little bit morbid doesn't it I want to feel miserable because I miss him and I don't want to forget but it's it's not it's not it's not kind of that it's not in a morbid way it's just in the way that like my love for him was so huge and still is that like if the grief went away it would be kind of like well what was I feeling strange it kind of validates the feelings I had for him I suppose 
so that was it that was the that was the starting point that was the like thunder um and that kind of doesn't do it justice but that was the kind of catastrophe that started this whole kind of shit storm that followed there's no other way of putting it um my emotional health at that point took a nosedive obviously it was bound to and it but but that wasn't something that was going to be magic better over a few months because time's a great healer it just that's not how it works um and and initially i could physically feel the pain like it would catch my breath the that massive sense of loss and grief would just take my breath away quite often quite frequently throughout the day it would just catch my breath completely and I, and I would be stopped in my tracks and like I can feel it now talking about it that's how it was it was physical and the nausea and the massive knot in my stomach that came with it was just I suppose like a lot of people associate that nausea feeling with nerves and anxiety and that's and that's what it was you can understand that but also came quite a lot of other physical symptoms which I didn't necessarily associate with stress and I still and it took me a long time and probably up until about last year before I really understood and I'll get to that a little bit later but what I felt was at the time was that pain but I didn't then realize that my going on to develop this massive explosion of eczema from the back of my head right on my back was also a stress response um that that I did notice later on once I'd got treatment for that that in times of stress it would flare up and ease off like I got creams and stuff for it. I'd never had eczema so I couldn't understand why at 21 I was developing this eczema and it obviously was a stress response but uh, and as I got flare-ups I, I could then see that it was associated with times of increased stress later like a lot later um, so that was that was one of the starting points um, jump forward a few years I had kids of my own massive trigger for anxiety this because all of a sudden when you become a parent you realize and especially having lost a parent even though I wasn't a kid I was 20 nearly 21 when I lost my dad but even even though I wasn't a kid I had lost a parent and I still very much felt like I needed my daddy I was a little girl still really I was um, and so so knowing that and knowing what that grief felt like I was like Oh, so anxious that I, just, I really didn't want my kids to go through anything like that and I think that's normal as a parent you don't want your children to you, you want to protect your kids from feeling feeling well unwell or protect them from injury protect them from harm and protect them from ever feeling sad really and, and you can't do that life is full of ups and downs and like and you know you know that you know that you can't protect them from everything but I just felt super anxious I didn't ever want them to go through this massive like horrificness of grief that I've been through so I was pretty anxious for most of their little little lives to begin with and I probably didn't realize that this was affecting them but they never slept so it was affecting them I didn't realise, I just thought they weren't good sleepers because I wasn't a good sleeper when I was a baby, but I actually realised that they were picking up on my emotional stresses. Now, looking back, I mean, I've just realised this. This is, <laughs> this is long, a long-term realisation. Um, 
so the anxiety was there um, I put a lot of pressure on myself when I did have the kids that they needed some sort of security right granted I couldn't guarantee I wasn't going to die next day but I could provide them with some sort of financial security so how was I going to do that I was going to buy a house so I needed to work more I needed to study more to earn more money work full time so you can imagine studying working full time um, and trying to manage kids in a house was not the easiest and once we bought the house I um, started with this cough I can't remember exactly when it was after we bought the house. It was a it was a little while after we bought this bought the house, but obviously the stress was still there because I put more pressure on myself to give them more and earn more and what have you, and study more and started my masters and all that. Carry on, and um, all this pressure kind of built up. When at the time I didn't realise it, but I developed this cough and I was coughing at night through the night, wheezy cough, couldn't catch my breath ignored it for months like I did like that's what nurses do we either we either um catastrophize something or just blatantly bloody ignore it and I ignored this one for quite a long time until it got to the point where it was getting bad through the day and one day I was doubled over the sofa wheezing and coughing could not breathe and my mother and my brother walked in and this and she just got off my brother what the hell are you doing <laughs> and oh my god <laughs> and um, I'm laughing about it now but it wasn't really very funny at the time. Um, I, I couldn't breathe. They dragged me along to the doctors who promptly listened to my chest, gave me some um, steroids and some inhalers. And that was it. Asthma, really. Well, I mean, I did go to the nurse later on and it was properly diagnosed, spirometry. They didn't just say, oh, that must be asthma. And, but, but it clearly was asthma, but it was diagnosed properly. And... Um, I kind of was in denial about this for quite a long time because I'd never been a kid that had had asthma like I was never a kid that had eczema um, I had no family history of asthma I couldn't understand where it could just come from at, by this point, age 30 bonkers anyway, there it was and I'd take my inhalers for a bit and then I'd stop for a bit because I clearly didn't have asthma, obviously and then I'd have a flare-up again and then I'd take my inhalers a bit again and go, well, maybe I have and then... Um, and I developed these other symptoms. Um, things were, like, I was getting really tired, I knew I was. And I had a lot of pressure to meet deadlines for assignments and things like that. And pretty difficult assignments. We were master's level um, stuff in advanced practice. It was, it was intense. And I had quite a long commute to work. And I was working full time. And the kids were little. And it, it was getting too much. But I kind of kept telling myself and everybody else that it wasn't too much. I could manage this. It was fine. But actually, um, this one day, it was actually when I'd had a few days off for Christmas. And <clears throat> I all of a sudden developed this real numb feeling in my arm, like all the way up my arm, from hand right up to my shoulder. This just numb feeling in my right arm. And... At that minute, I didn't really realise I had any of the symptoms until I tried to talk to the kids. And the only word I could get out was Teddy. Now, that wasn't what I was trying to say. I've no idea what I was trying to say, but it wasn't Teddy. But that was the only word that would come out of my mouth. And I think they thought I was barking mad. I thought, <laughs> to be honest, I laughed a little bit at the beginning. But then I went to text my mum and I couldn't, I couldn't read the names and the numbers in my phone. They just 
weren't making any sense. And then, let alone try and text, it was just not happening. Um, strangest, strangest sensation. Only lasted about half an hour, and I kind of, I kind of brushed that under the carpet a little, a little bit until a couple of days later when I thought, what the hell was that? If that was me, I would. If, if a patient came to me and said, that's what they've been doing, I'd be sending them for scans and shit. So. I talked myself into um, going to the doctor and seeing the doctor and he sent me to the TIA clinic. For those of you who don't, don't know what TIA is, um, basically a mini stroke. And I was like, no, that's not it. That's not it. But anyway, I went to the clinic. They didn't find anything clearly, but arranged an urgent, <clears throat> urgent MRI scan of my head. Six weeks later, I got the urgent MRI scan. Um, it was just, just demand on service it was just absolutely dreadful but anyway in that six weeks I had another episode and I just the same just exactly the same um and and I had manifested this whole massive sort of um progressive neurological disorder in my brain now so that I, I, I must have I must have something chronic like that obviously now at this point I was catastrophizing <laughs> um it was either that or a massive brain tumour, one or the other. I couldn't, I, I didn't know which, but when the MRI was done, I was certain, absolutely certain it would show something. Well, it didn't, did it? It was completely clear. And um, I was referred to a neurologist and they basically laughed me out the door and said I was just having migraines, there was nothing to worry about. I was like, what? I didn't have a headache. I didn't have funny vision. I just had, I just had a weakness I couldn't speak I couldn't read I couldn't surely it wasn't a migraine anyway I've done some reading since and of course it was the neurologist was right of course it was it was just for me a little bit difficult to understand and like understand where it came from so so all these things going on and I had quite a few more little episodes like that some lasting just as long some not as long random twitching all over my body that I just couldn't explain that and I, I couldn't really pinpoint a pattern to it so that was that really those were the physical symptoms I now know were caused by stress I, I know it I, what I've seen it now I can not unsee it it's just one of those things once you've seen it and understood it you can't unsee it and I've seen such a lot of other people coming with similar symptoms uh, uh, and what and when you look back at what they've been through emotionally you can just totally understand why they're going through the physical symptoms they're going through and 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 there are scientific reasons for that it's not just oh it's in your head and that's what such a lot of people think you say and when you say oh it's the stress it's not because it's all in your head it's not that at all it is chemical it's actual chemical issues here so your body's releasing stress hormones for a prolonged period of time that manifests in no end of different physical conditions and symptoms and I'll, I'm going to go into this. I, I want to talk about this much more in depth in later episodes. Um, and I'm hoping to be able to interview a colleague of mine, a psychotherapist, a brilliant Abby Finnegan, who is amazing. And she can talk you through all this stress cycle stuff. And she understands it far better and explains it far better than what I do. Um, but basically, that, that is what's happening and I see now, day to day, the impact that stress has on people. So I do a lot of diabetes specialist stuff. And that, in that I've noticed 
in times of stress and it's it's documented the studies document this um that in times of stress people's blood sugars go way high and become erratic and they do and that that's again is your body's response to cortisol the stress hormone it's push your sugars up um people with polycystic ovaries also a, a lot of the problem there is sort of stress induced and that's a high level of cortisol pushing blood sugars up causing insulin resistance that sort of thing um and the stress hormone cortisol in turn stimulates other hormones such as testosterone and things like that and that is that is another um significant cause of pcos so i'm getting to the point here what i really want to do is help people as much as i can and give them the support and the tools to make changes that are going to improve their emotional well-being and therefore improve the physical health um through eliminating like prolonged exposure to these stress hormones and um i'll tell you a little story about how i got on top of mine accidentally um i was roped into doing my um level one football um football coaching (laughs) through the fa hilarious because this girl here has never kicked a ball has never been in a sports sports team has never run for a bus even you know this girl here i liked a bit don't get us wrong i liked a bit of aerobics when i was young like teens early 20s i liked a bit of aerobics i say swimming it wasn't really swimming was it come on (laughs) um but i was not sporty i was not sporty at all hated pee at school hated games tried to be in the netball team didn't succeed I, I was pretty rubbish pretty rubbish at sport but my son is fanatic on football cricket you name it and he was doing quite well in his football team and my husband was coaching the team and they needed to be put through they needed um qualified coaches so my husband was doing going to do his coaching certificate and this other guy was going to do his but unfortunately he couldn't last minute he had to pull out um changing his circumstances meant he couldn't do it and the club were going to lose funding if somebody didn't step in well there were no takers so I just said ah I'll do it (laughs) not really thinking about it I just didn't think and to be honest I'm glad I did it pushed me completely out of my comfort zone so I was in a class where there was probably about uh, 25 guys and three girls all of which knew a heck of a lot more about football than I did and probably a bit more about coaching kids but the coaching side of it I found not too bad but when it came to practicalities <laughs> and doing football drills that were designed for children I might add this girl here was not good um, I very quickly realized that I had become very unfit yeah like I'd been working a few night shifts and get well quite a lot of night shifts and gained weight because I was eating every piece of crap in sight to stay awake I was sleep deprived I was stressed I was getting a little bit chunky and I had got very 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 unfit I was hobbling to the car like staggering like an old lady to get me inhaler doing these little drills I mean I'm not joking they weren't even long like lucky if they were five minutes long designed for children come on um and that was kind of my next big turning point I realized that I needed to do something I needed to get fit and I I had I had a dog I was already walking the dog but that clearly wasn't doing the job um so I thought well I'll start running (laughs) yeah you did hear me right earlier when I said I couldn't run for a bus (laughs) so 
I got an app on my phone that would say, run for a minute, walk for two minutes, run for a minute, walk for two minutes, all that sort of thing. And when it, when it used to finish the walk bit and say, run for one minute, I used to think, oh my God, I can't, please end, please end, I'm going to die. But anyway, I got through it and eventually over the course of a few months, I was managing to run continuously and I got to fight to, to the point where I could do like 5k, no bother. And I was getting fairly quick and I thought, hey, do you know something? I'm not that bad at this. Um... And in the longer term, I managed to run 10k, and I did a Carlisle to Gretna um, cross-border challenge, 10k run, and I was very early pregnant with my littlest baby at that point, so I was so super proud of myself. Honestly, it was the best achievement, but I'm kind of kind of dancing around the point here. The point was, even before I got to that point where I was getting good at it and getting fit, something I never thought I'd be able to do, um, before that point, really early on, like... I'm saying day one of starting to try and run. I felt emotionally like supercharged so much better, like absolutely buzzing with endorphins. The effect it had on me was amazing. And doing that, like people say that exercise is addictive and this is totally why, because the endorphins, but the endorphins are good. This is, this is good for you. This is good stuff. This is cancelling out those shitty little stress hormones that are causing damage. And this is what happened to me. I found that my asthma exacerbations were less. I wasn't getting the twitching in my muscles anymore. I wasn't getting those funny episodes where I couldn't speak and couldn't read and couldn't feel my arm. I wasn't getting those anymore. I was better physically because I was better emotionally. And this, this was long before I got fit. I was starting to realise this. Hey, I'm not wheezing. I'm not needing my inhalers as much. Um, it was just like groundbreaking. So, and like, I totally appreciate that it's not that easy because it wasn't that easy for me trying to fit it in with the kids and work and all that. Like the exercise, I mean. But I just realised the importance of it and like that suddenly I had to rearrange my day somehow and try and fit in a bit of exercise and that's what I did. And it doesn't even have to be long. Just a little bit more than what your body is used to. And you will feel a benefit emotionally. I am absolutely certain. And I want to help you figure out how you're going to implement that. How you're going to fit that in. And once you've fitted that in and you're feeling better, it's a whole lot easier to put the right fuel in your body as well because you feel motivated to do that. You, you're not craving the crap anymore. You've got the energy already. Your energy's up. Your vibe is up. You don't need the junk and you don't want the junk as much. So it kind of works in this beautiful, magical circle of like oh, just generally feeling better and feeling more motivated. And you just it, it's it's brilliant. And like I'm not I'm not under any illusions. Everybody falls off the wagon from time to time. And I totally have done lots of times and, and realise the repercussions from that and realise that it actually is affect my physical health again i'm sliding a bit my mood's dipping i'm feeling low i'm feeling sluggish i'm feeling unmotivated and kind of kicked myself up the backside to try and do something again and start to feel better again and get back on that wheel get back on that brilliant wheel and this is what i want to do i want to share with you like what i've learned and i really do and and that's it really so i think i'll probably end it there because i could waffle on all day about this um I, I really like strongly strongly want you to get in touch with me if you think I can help you and I'll put the, my email address my website and everything like that in the episode notes 
and you can just get in touch with me if you need to. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I've got a website and an email address. If any of you want to get in touch and think I can support you, then then I'll be like super, super, super buzzing to do that. That's just my mission is to make sure that everybody has this opportunity that I can give out as much help as absolutely possible. I'm gonna have some slots available for one-to-one coaching. They won't they they'll be limited obviously because it takes time um but i'm also going to have some um go-to resources that you can um that you can get your hands on that will help you along the way in the meantime and lots of different packages that are that are um accessible to everyone as well so get in touch get in touch if i can be helped you i know i can i know i can be of help to you and just let me know what your thoughts are drop me a message on instagram or facebook as well if you've got any questions um i'll be super happy to hear from you so lovely lovely to meet you and thank you so much for listening i hope you listen to my next one (laughs) um speak soon bye